I, uh, anyone ever done the strengths finder before? You guys familiar with strengths finder? Yeah, 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 few, yeah. few. You, you got these different strengths that you can take, and, and, and I, um, I, I, uh, I've done this before. I've got, I've got some that you might be familiar with. I've got this one called command strength. It gets me in a lot of trouble. Um, activator, so I like starting things, but not really finishing them. It's part of my personality. One of the strengths that uh, is in my like probably top ten that that I'm really ex that I love is communication, and I just love communication. I love coming up here and uh, putting together a service, uh, talking. I love uh, writing stories. Um, I love mostly like communication where I'm the one communicating. I'm terrible at listening, but uh, that kind of like that kind of one-sided communication is my favorite. And I love communication theory. And there was one book in particular that really transformed how I understood communication. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we're in this series right now. Where we're talking about basic. And we're talking about really basic theology. And when we kick this off by a basic theology of God, and we dealt with this idea that God is massive. That God is eternal, that God is infinite, and infinite in all of God's qualities. In fact, I would suggest that if you are able to boil the essence of God into like something that's really digestible, it's probably not God, right? Because that's just, a, that's just the God is bigger than anything that we can comprehend. God's ways are higher than our ways, and his thoughts are higher than that's what the scripture talks about. But we still want to know God. And so the question becomes, how do we know something that's unknowable? And this is where we get this word called revelation. God reveals God's self to us. Or in other words, God communicates. God communicates who God is. And so communication theory becomes very interesting. There's a, a famous phrase coined by Marshall McLuhan. Anyone familiar with it by name? What is it? The medium is the message. Anyone heard this before? I, I, I read a, I've, I've, I've skimmed some of his books and things, but uh, there was actually a, a book by a Christian pastor that was based on this idea, the medium of the message, called Flickering Pixels. I've referenced it in various other times in our church life. Um, one of those books that's very transformative, I, I, I highly recommend it, but it wrestles with the medium is the message from a faith perspective. But here, here's the essential idea of the medium is the message. The way we send and receive information is more important than the information we're sending and receiving. So, bad example, but let me give you an example. Um, you could watch a 24-hour news cycle, right? There are conservative 24-hour news cycles, and there are progressive 24-hour news cycles. So they are sharing different information, correct? Sometimes contradictory information. One news will say this is what happened, the other news will say this is what happened. You, you know what I'm saying? But the reality is, is the fact that we are engaging in the news 24 hours does more to change us than the actual content of their news. You could text somebody, and what, regardless of what you're texting, the fact that you're communicating via text shapes how our relationship works more than even just the information they are texting. Okay, so this is big. Think, think about the way in which people communicate. So what are some of the ways in which people have communicated throughout history? Throw out some. Writing, yeah, it's a great, great example. Television, I, uh, I watch too much TV, I love TV. Any other people love TV? No, just me, okay. What else? Telegram. Telegram, is that like the beep, 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 yeah, I love that. Morse code? Yeah, I love the telegram. I wanna get a telegram someday. Carrier pigeon, yeah, yeah, yeah. All of these are different methods of, 
different methods. Uh, you've, you've got reading and writing. You've got, of course, uh, uh, television, TV, film. You've got teaching, preaching, lecturing, where one person talks to a whole room of people. Uh, you've got music. Poetry and art, these are forms of communication. Uh, you've got really rudimentary ones like carrier pigeons, smoke signals. You know, uh, there's a great scene in Lord of the Rings where they, they have to light this fire and it travels across. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, and, uh, and, and they have to sneak up and light it because it's a whole thing. But there's lots of different ways. And all of these methods of communication produce different results in how we understand and what is things. So... The question is, is what's the best way for God to communicate to us? Is it smoke signals? Or, or like if you use that as a metaphor, is it those like smoke signals or that kind of thing is very rudimentary. You can't say a lot, but, but you know, God has communicated in smoke signals, sort of like the sign where the, the bush is burning and it's like these signs and wonders or is it, or is it, uh, is it reading? Is that the best way? Some, some, many Christians would say that reading the Bible is the best and some would say it's the only way God communicates to us. The written text is the word of God. Is it music? You know? Some churches really focus on praise and worship, that you experience God in a tangible way when you get caught up in the music, and that is God's primary way of communicating to us. Others would say preaching. You know, preaching is the only way. Uh, maybe, maybe, here's the thing. God has used all of these different methods to help us understand who God is. God, God speaks to us in a variety of ways. But there is one method that works better than others. If you think about... Uh, the, and here's some of the challenges. If you, if you say that the Bible is the best method for God communicating to us, then you're going to place a lot of weight on the Bible. And the Bible will be all that matters. If you say praise and worship is the best way that God communicates to us, it's, it's, there's a lot of ways, but this is the best way, then you're going to put a lot of weight on that experience. If you say teaching, then you're going to say, well, I'm going to focus on whatever my leader says. And, and different faith expressions of Christianity put different weights on these. TV and radio. If you say TV and radio is the primary, God's using TV and radio, then you end up with, um, you know, celebrity pastors. This is a product of that medium. And uh, your faith might be formed by somebody who you'll never sit down and have a conversation with. So there are people who only watch TV preachers and radio preachers back in the day, or even today. AIM Radio probably still does that. And your faith is being formed by someone that you would never have a meal with, right? So all of these have limitations. Um, none of these, and I would even say, including the Bible, is the most important method of God communicating, which might sound radical. But hear me out. Even the Bible tells us one method of communicating, one medium of God's message to us is more important than the Bible. John 1 Verses 1 and 14 says it like this. In the beginning was the Word. The Word. Uh, in the beginning was God's revelation. In, in the beginning was God's form of communicating to us, the understanding of who God is to the world. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word, John chapter 1, verse 14 says, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The word of God or, or God's method of communicating to us is the very person of God amongst us. In other words, God 
took on flesh and dwelt among us. God showed up as a human. And what I would say, and what I think Scripture testifies to, is that Jesus is the best, most reliable revelation of God. Colossians 1, verses 15 and 25 say it like this. Christ is the image of the invisible God. Christ is the image of the invisible God. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him God was pleased to reconcile himself to all things. Jesus is the very image of God. The whole fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus. God became human. Philippians 2, 6-8 says it like this. Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to, life, to death, even death on a cross. We're working on this series on on basic theology, and we talked about what we believe about God. We talked about what we um, believe about uh, humanity. We talked about what we believe about grace. We're just scratching the surface on these topics, but today we're talking about Jesus. And I start here for a reason. I believe Jesus is a big deal. In, In fact, I... I've said this before, but there's a lot to Christianity. But for me, and I don't know this sounds obvious, but for me, the most important part of Christianity is Christ. It's kind of in the name. And that when I wrestle with all of the other stuff, parts of the Bible and parts of church tradition and what it means to... I wrestle with all of these doubts and questions. The thing that I come back to over and over again is that I am a follower of Jesus and that I, Jesus is a big deal. And one of the reasons why Jesus is a big deal in our faith is because we believe Jesus is God in the flesh, the best method for communicating God with us. Because here's the thing. Living a life with someone when Jesus came and lived amongst people is the best way to understand them. And, 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 you know, and we were just talking about, we were talking about this earlier. You know, it's not about intellectual assent, like having all of the right answers. That's not what faith is about, because what happens if someone doesn't have the intellectual capacity to understand those intellectual answers? You know what? They can still be in relationship. They can still know what it means to love someone, to care for someone. And it doesn't take long to interact with people from a variety of, of, of uh, intellectual, the spectrum of intellectual capability to realize that there is great love and great relationship. The best way to understand somebody is to be in a relationship with them, and God knew that so much that God came and became one of us so that God could be in relationship with one of us because it's better than TV and it's better than texting or smoke signals or preaching or poems or whatever. The incarnation is this image of God doing life with us. Now here's the problem with that. Loving people in real life is much more dangerous. If you actually show up and are in a relationship with real people, if they're sick, you risk getting sick. If they're outcasts, then you risk being an outcast as well. If they're hurting, you might feel they're hurt. 
If they're alone, you might be all that they have. If, you're un- if they are unpopular, you might become unpopular by association. If, if they're mean, you might get hurt. And in fact, if they're evil, you might even, you know, shoot, they might even like accuse you of something you didn't do, put you on trial, and then hang you on a cross. Showing up in person is really dangerous. But this is the best method, the best way for God to communicate to us because it is messy and it is authentic. It's real. Hebrews says it like this. Hebrews 4.15 says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus came and lived amongst us and felt what we felt and experienced pain and hurt and betrayal. And friends, I'm here to tell you that God knows what you've experienced. Maybe not exactly what you've experienced, but similar. God knows how hard your life can be. God knows what betrayal feels like through the person of Jesus. God knows what it feels like to be hungry, to feel desperate, to be anxious, the full expanse of the, the human experience. So Jesus is important because it shows us who God is. And, and, and here is who Jesus is. There's a couple of uh, roles that Jesus takes on. And so if you like to take notes, here's some, here's some really basic, basic, we're just talking about basic theology. Here's some basic theology of who Jesus is. And you see this in the Gospels. So the Gospels present Jesus in a couple of ways. There's three traditional ones, and then I'm adding two more because I like to do that. And um, so the three traditional ones is that Jesus is a priest, Jesus as the prophet, and Jesus as the king. These three roles were very essential to the Jewish faith. You had priests, you had prophets, and you had kings. The priests organized the religious community. And they would create processes for people to enter into right relationship with God. The prophets challenged the national identity of the people. In addressing issues of, uh, of, of justice and what it means to... And then the king was the leader. And so Jesus, various times in the Gospels, fills these roles. So we think of Jesus as a priest. I just read a passage in Hebrews where it says Jesus, as our high priest, knows what we're going through. The crazy thing about Jesus is that he was not only a priest, but he became a sacrifice as well. So he's a priest offering himself as a sacrifice. And Jesus, as a priest, helps us enter into right relationship with God. That's kind of the role that Jesus fills there. Jesus as a prophet... This is one that I really like, um, as you probably know. But the prophet really kind of helps us understand the heart of God. How does God feel about people who are a part of our community? How does God feel about the way in which our politics and our nationality and all of these issues play out in the world? And so you look at Jesus, and he had strong things to say about the poor. And he had strong things to say about people who are experiencing injustice. And he, he would be this sort of prophet that would challenge people to imagine the world differently where everyone was treated equally. And then finally, Jesus as king, um, really kind of thinking about what it means for us to trust God and to do what God's asked us to do. And, and, and that, that's a hard one, because there's something nice about Jesus being a priest, you know? It's like, all right, you help me get in right relationship with God. And then Jesus as a prophet, like, yeah, I, I like to hold a, a sign and protest as much as anyone. But then Jesus as king, where I'm supposed to submit to Jesus, that's a little bit harder. Because that actually means I've got to trust and obey. The other two that I think are really important is this. Jesus also is a shepherd. And this is an image that's used throughout the Old Testament, but you see it in Jesus' works as well. And what I mean by that is Jesus was concerned with the way in which people were individually cared for. 
And that's what a shepherd, you know, kind of caring for something. And so he would go and he would sit down with people. And this helps us understand who God is, that God is concerned with what you're personally experiencing. And then the last one that I would say is that Jesus is a friend. He talks about how you're not just my servants anymore. You're a friend. As I sit, and if you've not done this, I I really encourage you to spend some time in the Gospels. Because Jesus says and does really beautifully radical stuff. He he lives out this role as priest and prophet and king and shepherd and friend. and, um, And he shows us what it looks like. Today is a special day in the life of the church. Anyone know what today's church holiday is? It's not Memorial Day weekend. That's not a church holiday. It's a fine thing, but it's not. It's Pentecost. Celebrated 40 days after Easter. Pentecost is a celebration where the Holy Spirit was poured out on the people of God in the book of Acts. It's a pretty uh, simple story. Jesus lived, he was tried, he was killed, he rose again, and then he tells his disciples in Acts chapter 1, he says this. He says, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There was this moment um, in my own scripture study where I was reading through Acts. And Acts tells the story of the early church where the, the disciples receive the Holy Spirit and then they go. And I was doing a sort of a, an intense seminary kind of study of Acts, like I was looking at commentaries and comparing stuff. And I realized that in, in Scripture, there's this like um, uh, literary form criticism where you compare things in the Bible because they're written in a similar style. So you know the Bible is a collection of all of these different writings and stuff. So you compare these things, and they have a similar form. They follow a similar pattern. And I was doing that in Acts, and I realized that the, the book of Acts looks really similar to the Gospels, a lot of the same stories. They just follow, like they, they, you could lay them on top of each other and see all of these similarities. And that's when it hit me. The Acts tells us or shows us what it looks like when people who are following Jesus become Jesus to the world. They do the same things Jesus did. That's the whole point of Acts. When God enables us to be Jesus to the world, we end up looking like one of the Gospels. That's the whole, that's why Acts is in the Bible, is to show what it looks like. And so today on Pentecost, we are reminded that not only is Jesus, you know, the center of our faith and the center, I mean, it's the, he's the center of my faith, I'll say. And I mean, just, Jesus is a big deal to me. But that through the power of God poured out into us, we become Jesus to the world. How are the people in your life going to know who God is? Is it because you set up a smoke signal? Because you text them a podcast? Because you send them your memory verse? 
Do you see what I'm saying? Is, is it because you're, you make them read the Bible? Is it because you text them about God a lot? How's someone in your life who doesn't know God going to learn about who God is? All of those things can be used by God. I'm not, I'm not knocking it, but the best way for someone to figure out who God is in this massive, messy world is because they can see God in you. You become that. And if we've learned anything from the example of Jesus, the best method for God communicating to people is through messy, authentic life. And, and I know, you know what? That's a lot of pressure. Because unlike Jesus... I'm not perfect. <laughs> I'm guessing you aren't either. Except for like a couple of you, maybe. But the reality is still the same. Friends, we are... Um, we're an interesting little church. We, <laughs> amen. We, we've experienced... Uh, people in our community, and I'm speaking in large brushstrokes here, so this might not apply to you. But uh, we've got a handful of ex-evangelicals. Um, and, and one of the things that that produces is we've experienced really bad forms of evangelism. Okay? Um, I don't know if you've ever had to go, like, talk to a stranger about your faith before. Has anyone, has anyone ever done this before? Did anyone enjoy doing it? I don't think so. <laughs> I've done it before. You know? And you just, like, cold call them. Uh, like on the beach, like there's a whole ministry where you go to like spring break beach and you, you people who are like there partying, you go and tell them about Jesus. And you know what? God uses it sometimes because you know what? God can use any of these methods. But you know the best way that we learn from Jesus is actually doing life with people. And so here's the thing. We as a church are moving into a new season. And, and, and I believe this to my core. There are people in your life whose life would improve if they understood who Jesus was. Not necessarily because they go to church or, I mean, all of those things might be good, but that Jesus has something to offer them. And the best way to show them who Jesus is is to just have an authentic relationship without an agenda. Just do life with people. So I make it my goal, and, 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 and this is without agenda. I just, I think it's really important. Um, I love in my life, I, as a pastor, I hang out with a lot of church people. You all, actually. Yeah. And my assumption is that you know, like, like you've heard, you know who Jesus is a little bit. And we're all trying to learn who Jesus is a little bit more. And, and, and you show me who Jesus is. Jesus talks about, like, and, and then in acts of mission and service, I learn who Jesus is. Like Jesus in Matthew 25, he's like, if you, if you feed someone who's hungry and give someone to drink who's thirsty, you know, et cetera. He's like, you'll actually, that's, you're doing it to me. Like, you'll meet Jesus. You'll see Jesus. You'll understand who God is in those acts of service. And in acts of community, Jesus says, we're two or more gathered. I'm there. Like, all of this is relational. Like, when you actually enter in relationship with you, you'll, you'll experience Jesus. It's very important. And I spend a lot of time with church people, but I have a few places in my life where I hang out with people who want nothing to do with the church, and it's the best. And for the most part, I don't pressure them. I'm not really being evangelistic, but they know I'm a pastor, which is really 
the best way to surprise them um, because then I could just be a different kind of pastor. And I'm just hoping and I'm just trusting that God is able to use the messiness of life and what it means to be in relationship with people to communicate to them who God is and how God loves them, what it means for God to care for them. So as we move into this new season, that's something I want to challenge you with. You know, the good news is meant to be good news to all people. And one of the ways we live out the good news is being authentic about our faith and being in relationship with all people, not hiding the fact that we're a part of a church, or, but also not at the same time shoving it in people's faces, but just living life authentically. That's my challenge for you, is to live your faith authentically in the world. To be honest about what you believe, to be honest about what you doubt, to have authentic conversations about spirituality with people in your workplace, in your friend groups outside of the community, and just see what God does when we show up and we live our life as people of faith. Let's pray. God, you uh, are able to work in so many mysterious ways. But we also know that you work the best when we show up when we're just people living life with other people, people in church and in our work and in all of these places. So God, use us. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. Commission us to be, you know, that, that light in the world that by our presence and our, the way in which we handle conflict, the way in which we love our coworkers, that, that you would use that to change the world. Forgive us for those times where we fall short. And even in those times, remind us of your great love as you offer us grace. Help us to be your people. In your name, amen.